I wonder if you've ever heard of the word sabbatical. As a Gen Xer, it wasn't really a well-known concept and certainly wasn't a very common practice in the years I was growing up. But as I look at LinkedIn and other business practice nowadays, it seems as though there's been a bit of a surge in its usage and application in various industries. But have you ever had a sabbatical? Well, stay tuned on this New Year's Day and we'll look at this more. a little off foot thinking he's going to go far post not strong enough with his right hand whips that one in far post almost made him into they have he has the hat trick the second in his career the third of the night the hat trick hero talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure to the corner goes towards the near post and you're the angle and what a goal what a goal If you Google definition of sabbatical, here's what you will find. A period of paid leave granted to a university teacher or other worker for study or travel, traditionally one year for every seven years worked. Hey everyone, this is Rev Brad coming to you from the Touchline. Well, according to Oxford, sabbatical comes from the Latin via Greek. Unless you look at the typical archaic entry, you'll see that the word actually originates much earlier from the Hebrew word for Sabbath or Shabbat. Now, I'm no linguist. I did pass Greek and Hebrew in my graduate work, but I in no way claim to be an expert. Today, though, I want to share with you the origins, history, and importance of sabbatical because I'm about to go on my first one ever. If you can't tell, I'm excited. This will be my first sabbatical in nearly 20 years of ministry. And if the one to seven mark is to be followed, then I'm overdue nearly three times over. In truth, I took a short burnout assessment a few years ago. It was one of those free online ones. It told me that I was ripe for burnout and suggested that I ought to go on sabbatical or take an extended leave or rest. Well, if that was a few years ago, then you can only imagine, or I can only imagine, that I've been operating on some fumes since then. But before going too too far down that road, let's look closely at sabbaticals and their importance for us today. First, I want to tackle some misnomers. Inherent within that definition, the Oxford definition, you can see that there are a few myths, I believe, about sabbaticals. The first myth is this. It's for a university educator, teacher, slash professor. Now, certainly, the academic institutions of the world have perhaps most and best used sabbaticals, and this is perhaps the most common place for us to observe and see. But a sabbatical is not just for that profession. Now, Oxford does throw in or other worker in there, but it's a bit of a throwaway if you ask me. A second myth is this. Sabbaticals have to be about study or travel. I'll get more into this a bit later, but sabbaticals create some misconceptions for people that the time is supposed to be about writing the next book or starting the next research project or going on an extended vacation to an exotic location. Now true, a sabbatical can be used for these things, but that's not all and not really even the point of a true sabbatical. Beyond the myths, though, there are a couple other sabbatical misnomers, namely when you encounter that person that laughs, scoffs, or diminishes the value or importance or the need of a sabbatical. I recall telling a fellow minister that I would be finally going on my first sabbatical come January 6. His response to me was, well, I served in ministry for 30 years without ever taking a sabbatical. Now, in trying to be respectful, I didn't fire back with any of my thoughts, questions, or concerns at that moment. But as I walked away from that conversation, I couldn't help but think 
that I shouldn't take his quote unquote badge of courage and pride and make it a weighty burden for my mind, heart, and soul. I'd already been struggling with the fact of taking an extended leave anyway, but a person or different cultures that shame or denigrate the idea of sabbatical should absolutely be on our radar because there will be lovely, lovely people who totally misappoint and never really understand sabbatical and its importance or its need. I just think to not take a sabbatical is not necessarily a brave or courageous act. I don't even think it's something to be praised or lauded, especially in a caregiving role that someone like a pastor or a chaplain, a minister may have. In fact, it can be toxic, unhealthy, and it can lead to physical, mental, moral, and spiritual failure and fatigue. But beyond the personal feelings and misconceptions that exist, I find that one must also deal with organizational misconceptions as well. I remember I had worked for a particular church whose policy was that ordained pastors were allowed to request a sabbatical after every five years worked, seven if your credentials were held with another denomination or group. Well, I had undergone a transition of credentials during my time at the church, and I remember gently asking, will I be held to the seven years or the five? Could we maybe split the difference with six? The response was, oh, sorry, the five years have to be accrued consecutive years. Well, I didn't bother asking if my if the clock had started once my credentials had been re-established. But never mind the fact that I was in a role where I walked with so many people through grief and loss. Certainly, that wouldn't take an emotional or spiritual toll on anyone. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here. And never mind the fact that before that, I had been a hospice chaplain for a number of years prior, and I had seen and dealt and been around a lot of different dysfunctional situations surrounding the death of people. Unfortunately, the organization, even though it was a church, didn't really have a framework of appreciation or understanding for sabbatical needs beyond the rigors of its own policies. And I understand why the policies were there and in place. Now, some organizations today may have different values and approaches, but suffice it to say, you might be or you're probably in a place where sabbatical is without merit or maybe it's even an entirely foreign concept. You know, at this point, I'm tempted to bring up some statistics from our European friends. You know, the French, the Italians, the Spaniards, those who have extended rest periods, even during the day, but that might be going on too long. So moving on, let's look at sabbatical and why it's needed and necessary. Sabbatical, as I said, comes from the Hebrew word for Sabbath or Shabbat. Sabbath is a weekly, yes, I said weekly, time where one is to rest and cease their laboring. Observant Jewish people begin in the evening hours of Friday. They end the labors of the week, they light candles, and then they're to ease into a rhythm of resting and taking delight. The command and precedent for Sabbath is found in Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11. Listen as I I read it to you. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Well, let's look a little bit more closely at this. 
First thing, remember. Remember means to observe, to practice. So we can see in the command that it's not really negotiable. We are supposed to rest the Sabbath. Number two, it was an actual day. Uh, In Hebrew tradition, it's the last day of the week. For many Protestant uh, Christians and and Catholic Christians um, and others, it's usually the first day of the week, Sunday. The Apostle Paul writes at certain points that the day isn't as important as the concept of needing rest. Let's look at the third thing, though. Keep it holy. Now, sometimes I get weirded out by keeping something holy. But to keep something holy is to actually set it apart. This day should look different than other days. And that's sometimes what I have to say to my family. You know, this day should look different. And sometimes that might mean putting down our cell phones and other things, stop texting, stop getting into social media. We just need to rest from all that. Now, let me pause here for a moment. For Jewish people and for Christians, this command is part of the bedrock and foundation of our faith. There is an intention in the command. God knows something about us, and this command is intended to draw it out, to honor something in us, and something about God in its keeping. The day is really intended to be festive, rest-filled, and a recreation of ourselves, kind of as God intended us to be. But here's what happens. You see, the command becomes a law, and that law becomes a place for legalistic, rote observance. And really, this is part of the nature of humanity. We take something commanded for our benefit and for our joy and refreshment, and we make it religious. And the thing that's good, well, we add to it and we make it this huge burden, as we'll see here next. Moving on through the text, though, it goes on to say, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Here, God begins to set the parameters and the expectations Six days of labor and work. You know, sometimes I usually work a five or a six day work week. Sometimes I get done with the five work days and I go, man, I just, I need that extra day. Um, But truthfully, I've got enough work around the house that that actually becomes my sixth day of work. But God is setting parameters and expectations. He goes on to say in the command, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You see, the intention of the day is to be a point of relationship. The Sabbath day is to be spent as time with God, time with others. Going on, it says in the command, On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Here are more parameters. And this time we see the covering of the command. The day of rest is to be for all people and even the animals. Lastly, we get into this. We see the last part of the command gives us a bit of context, a bit of background, a backdrop, if you will. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. From this part, from this piece, we see this historical precedent and context. We understand that the basis for our our observance and the placement of the command, it comes from the very example that God sets for us. The challenging thing with sabbatical is that it's antithetical to our human nature, to our culture, to our desires, our experience. 
You know, countless times I've seen managers, athletes, board chairmen, even myself as a chaplain, I, I have to confess, I, I, I fall prey, I fall trapped to this lie that if I just work harder or longer or more than others, that somehow we'll achieve or gain or overcome or we'll win or have more success. Many times in seeking that competitive advantage, we fail to rest and we end up damaging ourselves and limiting our own abilities. I remember I was once observing an athlete who, after intense training sessions, he would go and run the stadium stairs to try and develop this physical edge and show the manager that his heart was in it, he wanted to improve, and he was worthy of the call-up. In the end, though, that athlete overexerted, overextended himself, and ended up being injured. He was unable to fulfill even the basic commitment to be involved in the regular training session. He had to take time off. He had to rest, and he had to heal up. You know, maybe this is a good thing about our bodies. When we need rest, if we fail to give our body what it needs, it will shut down. And usually it's a small cold or an illness or something else that forces us to seek rest and to recover. Well, physically, I think this can be more easily felt and understood. When it comes to mental and spiritual rest and renewal needs, I think that's a little bit tougher for us to understand and navigate. So in order for us to rest, The Lord God commanded that his people set apart one day of the week, and this becomes the basis for the sabbatical year. We read in Exodus 23, 10 through 11, For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. In the same way that God's people were commanded to rest one day a week, a similar command was to rest after six years of work, or to let the land rest, which today we might equate to our vocational lives. Now, I know what you're saying. Rev, I'd love to rest from work every seventh year. Can't happen though. Won't work. I'll lose my job. I won't have a job. And then I'll be in trouble. Truthfully, I'm with you. I struggle, even as I get set to take these next few days of sabbatical and rest, I have trouble letting go. You know, here's some of the excuses in my head right now. Well, what if Soccer Chaplains United goes under or fails? What if an athlete, coach, or someone else that I've been serving, what if they need me? What if donors stop giving? What if my team, my staff, what if they leave? What will I do with all the time? What if someone thinks lesser of me? What if someone sees me as irresponsible What about that guy over there, the one that worked in ministry for 30 years and didn't take a sabbatical? All legitimate concerns, don't you think? However, every question and the purported answer that I've already thought through and wrestled with, they all point to one thing, my own self, my ego, my pride. It all depends on me. The success of Soccer Chaplains United, even a good thing like being available for people who might need me, everything is me me in a vacuum without God. This is one of the sins of our age. We work and we pride ourselves in a workaholic nature and tendencies because it seems to fill some part of our own need. We don't need God. We need more of me, more of ourselves. We need self-belief. We need to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and take life on. But God's word to us is rest. Rest because you are finite and you need it. Rest because I am infinite, and I even rested. 
Rest because there are limits to you. Rest because you need to delight and take joy. Rest because I want to spend time with you. You're my pride and joy. Rest for your family's sake. Rest for your employees' sake. Rest for your children's sake. Rest for your marriage's sake. Rest for your neighbor, your community's sake. Rest. Friends, in the same way that I'm no linguistic expert, I'm also not an expert on Sabbath keeping or sabbaticals. I come from a workaholic family. I often go until all hours of the night. I struggle to turn it off. I struggle to shut down, get off the grid. I struggle to rest. But I know this. I need to rest. I need the spiritual and physical rest and renewal that these next few weeks are intended to be. Well, I want to recommend a resource to you. Adele Calhoun has a book entitled Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. I'll hyperlink to it in the liner notes. In it, you'll find some helpful instructions on Sabbath keeping. You know, maybe this is a new or different discipline for you to consider. In football, there's very little rest, I know, from training to games to regeneration to treatment and all over again. There there usually is a quote-unquote off-season, but we typically get a plan for the off-season so that we're ready to go in the preseason. And there's truly little time for true rest and renewal. But God invites us into this wonderful space for rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that wants to take on that invitation, as challenging as it may be. To close our time, I want to pray words of rest over you and me. Lord God, you have modeled, you have created and made beautiful rest. A command you gave to set apart, to cease from labor, once every seven days for me, once every seven years for the land, for my work, to rest. You tell us through the prophets, you say in your holy word, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But though we may see, we refuse to walk. Though we know the good way, we're afraid to stop, to stand, to look, to walk in the ancient ways, in the ways of Shabbat, in the ways of divine rest. Is this why we lack joy? Is this why we're depressed? Help me to Sabbath. Help me to stop. To acknowledge the limitations of myself. To acknowledge the limitlessness of you. Help me to rest in you. Amen. This is Rev coming to you from the Touchline.